You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. This morning is caring for your pastors and leaders. Caring for your pastors and leaders. And this has been a burden on my heart for many years, but especially the last uh, few months. And this is one of those messages where it's not easy for me to share it because I don't want somebody to think that I'm trying to ruffle my own feathers. I'm not doing that. Uh, The purpose of this message is the advancement of God's kingdom and your own blessing and benefit. And I also see this church not as a group of followers. We're a community of followers of Jesus, but not followers of a man. We are uh, a community of leaders, and all of you are leading in some way, or you're growing to be led in some way. So I did a new info, I'm going to pray in a second, I did a new infographic for this. It's not printed, but after the message, you could get it at brisbanefire.com, and uh, here it is online. Um... And my heart is for all the leaders like Peter and Tina and Anna and the different pastors and spiritual leaders in the body of Christ. I'm thinking of Miguel and Lolita. And there's so many of them and so many people that I can uh, mention that God's heart is for. And the Father wants us to have his heart for his leaders. Wow, we are quiet. <laughs> so he wants us to have his heart for his leaders, and he wants us to see them as he sees them. And I want to be clear that this is not uh, an attack. Don't take this too personally. This is not an attack. This is not saying you're not doing a good job, because I feel very loved and uh, appreciated by you. I was blessed that Patrick brought a gift this morning. Irene brought a a little blessing. And um, so this is no, uh, don't misread what is being said here. So let's pray. I'm going to pray and then I'll lead you in the prayer. Father, I'm asking that your grace would be poured out, that your spirit would flow, that you would have your way. Father, you put this word on my heart. And it's been on my heart for months. And you love your pastors and leaders all across the world. And I want to share this for your sake and for their sake. And that we as a body of Christ would love our pastors and leaders. And we would guard them and protect them. 
Give me the words to share today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? So you're awake. You're alive. That's good. So how to care for your pastors and leaders. And I want to, uh, us to first go to Proverbs 27, verse 18. Proverbs 27, verse 18. And this is something that I freshly translated this week from the Hebrew. And it says this. Those who tend a fig tree will eat its fruit. And those who care for their leaders will be honored. Those who tend a fig tree will eat its fruit. And those who care for their leaders will be honored. So what's the picture here? Say you have a garden. If you have a garden, you want to care for your garden because the garden is going to bring forth fruit and good things. You don't want to poison your garden because you're poisoning yourself. And here it's describing leaders as uh, a fig tree or fig trees. It's describing leaders as a fig tree. And so we are meant to guard them, care for them, and protect them. And I know this is a different way of thinking because we are often thinking that pastors care for us and leaders care for us. And yes, they do care for you, but in the kingdom of God, there is a mutual caring for one another and protecting one another and guarding one another. What this proverb is saying is if you guard the fig tree, you're going to eat of its fruits. You're going to be blessed. And so the leaders are like trees that bear fruit. And as we care for them, we are blessed. But if we don't care for them, we will not be honored because there'll be no good fruit coming from them. And we especially have to be uh, attentive to and understanding that the last uh, year and about a half for pastors and leaders across the world has been very traumatic. And the body... And the body of Christ needs to love and care for their leaders rather than attack them, rather than criticize them, rather than pull them down. I've talked to different pastors, and almost all of them have gone through very similar experiences of many people leaving their church, of uh, being criticized and attacked, of feeling forsaken and abandoned. So many of them have the same story. And so this is a time where the father is wanting to teach his people that we have a responsibility to care for our pastors and leaders. So I have a few things to share. Um, the first one, the first point is how can we do this? So the first point is this, pray for them. Can I hear an Amen. Pray for them. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And as we turn there, Anna and I were very blessed. We had a really special day because it was Allison's formal. And she's going to be graduating soon. It's her senior year. She still has a fair bit of work uh, to do, but it was the celebration and her formal um, where is my dear wife? There, there you are, Anna. 
Good to, good to see you back there. <laughs> yeah, you miss her already. And uh, before there was a there was a little party with her friends beforehand, and I met these great parents, and, and it was uh, just a just a wonderful occasion. I was. Uh, I didn't know how blessed I would be by it. I was so blessed by the whole time. Uh, it was a late night. We got to bed at around uh, 1 in the morning. So it was a big, big time. But Allison looked beautiful. She looked stunning. And one of the special moments that we had, I'm a little, this is a little bit of a diversion here. But one of the special moments we had is the father-daughter dance. <laughs> And I was really nervous about this because I'm not the great, a great dancer. You know, back in the day, day, I was always DJing and there was other people dancing, but I was never a great dancer. So I was nervous. We had about a one-minute practice wow. at home wow. in which we planned our attack. And then it was time, you know, the father-daughter dance. And, and we danced, and it was so lovely. And she looked at, Allison looked at me and said, oh, this is so sweet. And so we danced. And then the next song, she wanted to dance again for the next song. So we have one song. We had the next song. And then it was the time for the uh, mother-son dance. And she said, I want to dance again. So we danced again three times. <laughs> And then she was dancing with her friends, and you know, everything was innocent and clean. And she's like, Dad, come, come over, come over. I felt like one of the cool kids. <laughs> and then we got, I need to tell you all of this. I'm confessing all my sins. You know what I'm doing. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking here. We, were, we started a bit of a, a dance in a circle. It was... Uh, Alice and myself and Anna, and we, it was Stevie Wonder song, and here we are. And then another, per, another person joined us, another person joined us, another person, until there was about, you know, about 10, 15 people all, all boogieing to Stevie Wonder on the dance floor. And it was a very, it was a very happy, joyful, uh, beautiful occasion. Felt a little bit like the fiddler on the roof. Have you ever seen the Fiddler on the Roof. If you haven't, um, that's an excellent uh, play, movie, Fiddler on the Roof. Boy, and the wind is blowing today. So this is why we need prayer, guys. <laughs> anyway, the prayer, I knew people was praying for us, and we just had a blessed night, a joyful time, a time of celebration, and uh, just thanking God. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And we're closing the book of Ephesians. We've been studying Ephesians for a long time. We're also closing our study of the book of Nehemiah. We've been studying that. And Nehemiah is an example of a leader, a godly leader. He was not a pastor. He was just a cupbearer. But... God chose him to lead and restore his people. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. With all prayer and petition, 
pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Notice here, notice here that Paul is requesting prayer. What does he say? He just makes it very plain and says, and pray on my behalf. Did you hear that? And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me, that the word, that the word of God would be given to him, logos there, and that it would be given to him in the opening of his mouth and that he would speak with boldness and be able to declare the mystery of the gospel. So he knew that preaching the gospel wasn't just a natural thing. It had to be done by the power of the Spirit. And it took the prayer of the saints to empower him by the Spirit to speak with boldness and authority. So prayer is essential for the effective preaching of the Word, for the Word of God piercing hearts and changing lives. And uh, otherwise, what's happening is the Word of God is going out, but it's not changing people's lives, or there's not much power in the preaching of the Word. So this is why we need to pray for our leaders. Pastors and leaders are human beings like us. And I think of Elijah. He was a man like us, but he prayed. And prayer is powerful because it connects us with God himself. So pastors and leaders, they have their own challenges as well as they're called to care for God's people, but they also have their own challenges, so they need prayer uh, for the preaching of the word, but also for their whole entire lives. And, and that prayer is like guarding them. It's like protecting them. It's like putting a wall around them. It's like uh, guarding the fig tree like we talked about. Your prayers will empower pastors and leaders to do the Lord's work. And Paul often requested prayer. It's an important, and on this point, it's important for us to pray in the Spirit and see our leaders in the Spirit. Uh, now, in the world, I, I understand. I also saved out of the world. And in the, the world's eyes, we're always criticizing leaders. We're criticizing our politicians. We're criticizing our teachers, we're, we're, they, we've have in our sinful nature something that's very critical and judgmental. And as God's people, we need to be delivered from that and saved, by, saved from that because that is not reflective of the kingdom of God. And I remember when I first got saved, and uh, it, our church was a beautiful family, but then I started to hang around with some uh, Christians and they were always criticizing the pastor for something. 
And I remember, because I was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit then, being freshly saved, you're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I remember how grieved I felt the Holy Spirit was as I talked with them. I love these people as friends, but their criticism grieved me. And I remember one time how upset they were that the pastor and his wife went into the city, that's New York City, to, say, to see the play Les Miserables. And oh, how worldly the pastor was because he went and saw a play on Broadway, Les Miserables. And I would, all of, now, you know, back then, I'm a, a young believer. Yeah, yeah, maybe he is worldly. And that was such a, uh, such a foolish way to think. Pastors also have lives. Uh, it's not like you're going to uh, see something unclean. This was, uh, you know, classic play. But there was all that. Well, I'm trying to paint a picture is uh, often we have this very unrealistic uh, and these uh, views of a pastor and also they're not monks, okay? We're not talking about monks here. We're talking about men who love God and women who love God. Uh, but we have these th thoughts about, uh, about them as, as something other. But I want us to see them according to God's eyes. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, I want us to look at this. Ephesians 4, 7. So we're just on the first point of pray for them, but I want to uh, lay a bit of a groundwork here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So notice the word grace. I want you to say the word grace. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And then it says in verse 11 what these gifts are. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the works of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So we need to see these apostles, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They are given grace from God. And grace flows through them. And it's Christ himself that's ministering through them. So we need to see past the vessel and the, yeah, the vessel, the outward thing. And we need to see the treasure that God has put within them. And we need to receive them as receiving Christ himself. And if we do, then we are blessed, we are equipped, we are strengthened. And so there's this uh, heart change that needs to happen in us of, of seeing the grace of God in pastors and leaders. And I'm talking about authentic pastors and leaders. And sometimes what happens is we have seen false ones. We have seen people uh, charlatans. We have seen people abused. We have seen people try to lord it over others, domineer, be authoritarian. I'm not talking about that. That's not good. What I'm talking about is sincere, uh, sincere ones that the Lord has put his grace in 
And he wants his grace to flow through them to you. So this is all about grace. And the receiving of the grace is the receiving of these men and women and the valuing of them. And so this is why we pray for them. Are you seeing this? So the first thing is pray for them. The second thing is assist them. Assist them. God calls authentic pastors to to fulfill a mission much greater than themselves. It's not so much that you are serving them. Instead, you are serving Jesus with them. You are on a mission together. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse. We're building together. We hear the building going on, construction in the background. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 18. Notice what it says here. Paul is reflecting on certain people. And he says, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. They have refreshed my spirit and yours. So there was such a a service coming through them. Christ himself using them to refresh Paul's spirit. So my first point is pray for them. My second, assist them. And this brings us to Exodus 17. And many of you will know this story. This is with Moses and Joshua. Exodus 17, verse 8. Now before I read this, there was a time, and Patrick was there, and there was another, uh, another student, and I was up on the balcony. The Bible school was going to begin, new fresh semester, which we have a new semester beginning soon. The foundations unit, it's starting the 2nd of August, and you can register at holyfireschool.com. So if you want to join, it's a great time because we're beginning our study from Genesis to Revelation again. Well, there was one time we were starting a semester, and I was on the balcony, and they must have read this passage because they got beside me, and Patrick was on one side lifting up this hand. Now, this is seven stories up. So seven stories up and looking out of the balcony. Now, I I feel a little dizzy sometimes looking out of the balcony because it's so high up (laughs) and looking at all the high, you know, tall buildings, so I had to... Patrick on this side, someone on that side, and then somebody behind me. And I felt so, and they were praying for me as I was praying for the city, and they were holding my hands up. But I felt so vulnerable (laughs) because here I was just at the ledge of this balcony, Uh, you know, to look down, but I had no, you know, if these guys wanted to, we don't like our pastor. You know, just chucked me overboard. Now, I didn't believe that they were going to do that, but I remember how I felt, but it was, I was so blessed that they came beside me and lifted up my hands so that I could pray for the city and for the new semester. And that was a great example of assisting, especially in the area of prayer. Now, here we're reading Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, 
Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner, which is Adonai Nisi. Adonai Nisi. See if you can say that. Now it's not Nisi as you hear a lot of... Uh, English-speaking uh, people say, the accent is on the last syllable here. So Adonai, you can say Adonai, Nisi. And it means that the Lord is my standard, my flag, my ensign. Uh, here it's translated as banner. But what would happen in ancient battles is your army would have a flag. And that would represent your army and you would rally around that flag and if you were an enemy and you saw that flag you would know that you were soon going to be attacked and here it is the Lord is our standard the Lord is our flag so we know that if we're rallying around him we will have the victory and this is what prayer does it causes us to rally around him so the Lord is our standard he's our flag Adonai Nisi. And he said, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Now notice all the components in this story. It's teamwork. We have Moses. He's going up on the top of the hill, but it's not just Moses. Joshua is in the valley. And it's not just Joshua. Joshua has chosen men, an army around him. So we have Joshua, we have the soldiers that are fighting with Joshua, we have Moses up on the top of the hill, and he is in intercession and prayer. That's what's symbolized with his hands being raised. And then he also has assistance with him, Aaron and her. And as they work together as a team, there's victory. We see that when Moses' hands are up, they are winning and prevailing. When he's weary and his hands are down, they are losing. So Aaron and her realized that, oh, when Moses' hands are down, when he is weary, when he is not able to lift up his hands in prayer, we lose. So let's prop up his hands. So they held up his hands, and they recognized the authority that Moses had. They recognized that he was called and chosen of God. They recognized the power of prayer, that prayer prevails. And so they got behind Moses in praying, and that empowered Joshua and his battle. 
the great teamwork. There's such a great teamwork there. Everyone is important. Everyone is doing something different. And as it all comes together, there's great victory. So instead of seeing it that we are fighting, one, the, the body of Christ is going to be strong when we're not fighting one, one another, but we recognize who the true enemy is. And our battle is against that true enemy. And our battle is fought through prayer. And we are not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And sometimes we lose sight of that. And that's where we need to come back to the blueprint, the drawing board. We need to come back to the scripture, have a good heart check. Amen? So pray for them, assist them. Next thing of how we can care for our pastors and leaders is so into them. So into them. Sowing into your leaders through encouragement, finances, and acts of kindness enables them to bear good fruit for the kingdom. The good news is that what you sow, you will also reap. So this is not about, oh, you know, you got the charlatan televangelist and send me a million dollars. But when you find the humble kingdom of God and pastors and leaders, as you sow in them, that bears good fruit that you actually eat of and are blessed by. So you recognize and look into the different ministries. Emma came forward today and say, was saying we need some help at the JC Soldiers. It's like we're restarting again. Come and visit us. When you go and visit them and speak words of encouragement, maybe God puts, some, puts it on your heart to get, sow a little money, whatever it is. That was in New York. That's how it was. I love getting around the family. Uh, oh, we're going to see Grandma in Brooklyn. Right? I'm a, this is a little diversion. And so we go over to see Grandma in Brooklyn, and there was all the aunts and the uncles, Aunt Kathy and Aunt Pat, and uh, there was all these aunts and uncles and, and cousins. And uh, one of the uncles would come up to me, and he'd have a, you know, wad of money, and it'd be maybe maybe be like twenty dollars or fifty dollars, but go buy an ice cream. And that was the funny thing because the twenty dollars could buy you uh, twenty ice creams or so at that time. Or a cousin would come over and, and they give you, and that was part of the New York culture. There was always this kind of exchange of blessings when you'd get together. And then, hush, hush, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, right? You tell somebody, and somebody might get upset. And I'd come, come home from grandmother's house with $100 in my pocket. And then I would go and buy, uh, it was different times in my life, but I'd buy all this candy. And then I, and, and then I would sell it. So I had, I'd buy it from Costco. It was called Priceline at the time. And then I'd take that, everything that was given to me, and then I would multiply it. And I have, they knew me, if anyone's seen this from my high school, they knew Glenn. He was always selling candy. And this wasn't drugs. This was, this was Snickers bars and lollipops and other stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 amen. So my backpack was full, and then I'd come, and I, then I'd make uh, this extra money, and then I would go and buy records and vinyls, and, and uh, it was, uh, 
Yeah, that was part of my, my life. <laughs> it's about, about multiplying. So here, sow into them. And the idea of sowing is you're going to be blessed in return. It's not like a selfish... It's not like uh, the, if a leader says uh, sow that it's, uh, it's kind of a selfish thing. Let's look at a Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Again, I kind of hesitate uh, at talking about this uh, and sometimes have felt uncomfortable, though I don't feel uncomfortable this morning because I feel like I'm in the presence of family. Um, thank you. <laughs> but because there's people that share this, these things in an insin insincere way, but we need to know the sincere and the truth of it, Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse 15. This is Paul speaking to the Philippians. He says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. So there was a time in Paul's life, nobody was active in giving and receiving. The churches weren't active in this matter of giving and receiving. But you alone, just the Philippians, and some of them didn't have this revelation of giving and the importance of it. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that should always be the underlying reason why we give and why we receive is to the glory of God our Father. And then if you go to Galatians chapter 6, Let's turn there, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Again, the whole motivation of everything I'm sharing is having a heart of love toward our pastors and leaders that are servants of the kingdom and servants of Jesus Christ. And they serve us. And we have a heart, God's heart of love for them. And so everything we're doing is motivated by love and the grace of God, Amen. by the Spirit of God. Galatians 6, 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> I'll, I'll say it again. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Amen. And it's talking next about the, the sowing to the flesh or the sowing to the spirit. But this, I think this one was mentioned this morning in verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So we, as God's people, we live in a different economy. 
and people look at the world and they say, oh, it's so tough out there. And yes, it is tough out there at this time, but we live in a different economy. It's the kingdom of kingdom economy, and that economy operates through sowing and reaping what God sees. He then, he sees our sowing, he multiplies it. That's why Isaac was in a time of famine, and he was sowing, and he reaped a hundredfold in the same year, because he didn't run from the famine. He just stayed where God had called them and kept on sowing, and he reaped this hundredfold harvest. So here I'm not trying to preach a doctrine, give $5 and you're going to get $500. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the ways of the kingdom. So we live and operate on a different economy. It's God's economy. And it's, its very way is sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. It's not about earning yeah, it's not about earning your way into the kingdom or trying to put some type of magic on God and, and uh, turn his hand. It's, it's this love that's motivated by love. So pray for them, assist them, sow into them. We're halfway through. How are we going? Let me know if you're alive. And <laughs> that's good. Nobody left, right? <laughs> Nobody left. Amen. The next thing is take their words to heart. Take their words to heart. Good pastors spend lots of time seeking God for a word for their church. And that's the type of pastors we want to raise up, is pastors that seek God for a word. They're not just coming out of their own mind, uh, but they're seeking God for a word from heaven. And good pastors do that. They spend all their time seeking God for his word for their church. And preaching and teaching is at the heart of their ministry. Now, there's also different kinds of pastors. Some pastors are not as much public. Uh, like we see Peter doing often is he's counseling and helping people behind the scenes. And that's important, too. He's ministering the word of God personally to you. And then we have others that are more seen. Uh, but the principle uh, for, for many of the uh, pastors, it's their principal ministry. Of course, all pastors. It's their principal ministry to preach and teach the word of God, whether it's at front or it's personally and be, you know, at the coffee table. Preaching and teaching are at the heart of their ministry. So how should we respond to this? Actively listen to them and meditate on their words. Ultimately, I know from my heart, I don't want you to obey me. I want you to obey God. And I want you to be persuaded by the words that are preached. So it's all about him. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about us listening to the Word of God, getting in alignment with the Word of God. Actively listen to them and meditate on their words. Take notes and seek to obey God's Word spoken through them. So don't let the Word just fall to the floor. Let it not be on Sunday that uh, it's the next day and it's like, I don't know what he preached. But you're thinking about it. And this is why I make all these things like infographics and notes and, and, and repeat it. 
over and over because it's important. It's important. I don't get more money for doing that, no. <laughs> Printing all these things costs, but I want to sew. And my whole, my whole ministry and Anna's ministry is, is sewing, sewing, sewing into you. It's sowing the word of God into you. So take their words to heart. Uh, let it not just go in one ear and out the other. When this happens, the body of Christ becomes very strong. And when we value our leaders, the body of Christ becomes very strong. Our lives are blessed. Hebrews 13, 17. You can turn there and... Sometimes uh, some of the older translations, uh, they don't translate the, the words with regards to leaders uh, that effectively. So I refined some of the translation going from the original Greek because sometimes when you read it, it gives a bit of a, almost it feels a little heavy handed uh, to the newer generation, because here it says, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Um, and actually, if translating the words, uh, the words that the words that are used in the Greek, I would rather translate it as this, be won over by your leaders. Because what it's saying, that word obey is to be persuaded by, to be won over by. So I would first say, be won over by your leaders and yield to them. Because of course the word submit, I understand the word submit, and we're meant to submit one to another, but a lot of this generation doesn't understand the word submit. So it seems like an oppressive thing. In the, in the kingdom, it's all about submitting one to another. And that's how a healthy marriage is not the, the man is oppressing the wife and you're down here and I'm up here. Listen to me, woman, and get me some chicken wings. I'm watching, I'm watching the rugby game. <laughs> but it's more serving one another and the husband needs to be the leader in serving because he is the example of Christ and the grace of God is flowing through the husband to bless the wife. Uh, and in the kingdom, it's like that. It's not the pastor rules with the rod of, uh, rod of iron. Only Jesus has the rod of iron. Pastors are not meant to rule in an authoritating, authoritative way. And then they're not meant to rule domineering people and lording over people. They're meant to rule by serving and loving and caring. It's Jesus that they're pointing to. So again... I say all this because there's a lot of weirdness out there and teaching about leaders. And there's many who have kind of taken a, a Messiah complex on themselves. And, and that's a sad thing. And we are not uh, in any way commending that. But getting back to Hebrews 13, 17, be won over by your leaders and yield to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So they have to give an account to God for their leadership. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. Let them do this with joy. Now listen to this. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans. The, the Greek there is stenadzo, and stenadzo is, uh, it's like stress. Don't stress them out. Don't, 
Yeah, don't give them grief and groans and pressure. Let them do their work with joy. So I, I would see it that I need to make my pra- pastor the most joyful person. <laughs> I need to make my leaders joyful and serve them in such a way that they come out of my uh, uh, encounter with me. They have joy. They're encouraged. They're filled with life. They feel better about life. It's not like they come out of a, a meeting with me and it's, oh, I don't know if I can take it anymore, <laughs> which a lot of pastors feel that way. I don't, I'm trying to give you some insight, and it's just like, Lord, have mercy. Can I get through another week without another angry email? I've received a lot of these uh, just before graduation, the long emails, long things. Of, and, uh, but, but, but I love you guys no matter what. Right? <laughs> I love you guys no matter. <laughs> That's, but I love everybody. And, and yeah. Let me move on. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be unprofitable for you. So if their work becomes grief and groans and painful, and, uh, it, then it becomes unprofitable for you. So take their words to heart. And then what about 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.17? Again, I'm not sharing any of this because I'm upset with you or I'm upset with people. I wouldn't actually share this message if I was, in a way, angry with people. I'm trying to get my point across and you need to care for me. I'm thinking about the leaders of the body of Christ. But here's what it says in uh, 1 Timothy 5.17. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. And do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Anyway, it goes on and you can read about that, but I just wanted to show you the way of the kingdom there. So take their words to heart. So he said, pray for them, assist them, sow into them, take their words to heart, and observe them. The next thing is observe them. True leaders live a life that is an example. Now, none of them are perfect, but they, if they're authentic, you'll be able to imitate their faith. And so we are to observe our leaders, also see them with the eyes of God, and follow their faith, imitate their faith. Follow their example as they follow Jesus. Or we could say, follow, follow Jesus together with them. Yeah, amen. And we need uh, leaders lead by example. And we learn from our leaders. There's a very beautiful thing that happened a few Sundays back. There was um, little Valerie. And Valerie was worshiping God. She had her hands up and she was kneeling. And 
one of the uh, siblings asked her, why are you doing that? She says, oh, I see daddy do doing that. And because dad's doing that, I'm doing that. <laughs> and so she was just following that example. And she gave a recent talk at school. And it was the, the hero, heroes of the faith talk. I said, who are you going to talk about, uh, Valerie? I'm going to talk about dad. <laughs> so I was blessed by that. Now I have, I have to live up to it, right? <laughs> or, I have to, or I have to continue to live up to it. That's the thing is persevere and continue. Because I always want my life to be an example where you can observe my life and you can see, oh, God has blessed them. I see God at work in their family. Uh, and I see God at work in their ministry. And I can... Uh, See that as an example to spur my own faith. So now Hebrews 13, 7. We're almost finished here. We did Hebrews 13, 17. But now Hebrews 13, 7. And this is my own uh, translation from this week. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and behold attentively the end result of their way of life. Follow the example of their faith. I'll read it again. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and behold attentively the end result of their way of life. Follow the example of their faith. Amen. And we're coming to a close here soon. The next thing is receive and respect. How to care for your pastors and leaders Receive and respect them. And this we began to touch on in the beginning. Value, treasure, and honor your leaders. They go through many battles for your sake. And Jesus' grace flows through them to bless you and equip you. Receive them and you will receive Jesus' ministry through them. Amen. Amen. And so this, this, this valuing. This treasuring, this receiving, if you receive, uh, Jesus said it, if they receive you, they receive me. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 29, this, I, I can bring it to Matthew 10, 40 through 42. I'm not going to do that right now, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 29. And here Paul says, receive him. He's talking here about Epaphroditus, one of the, the men of God, then receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. So he said, receive them or receive him, receive him then in the Lord with all joy. So here we reach the last final thing. How are you going? Good? <laughs> the last thing is speak life about them. Especially when they're not around. Speak life about them, especially when they're not around. I remember in my early days how now it's becoming, I've been a pastor now for 22 years. Nothing really surprises me. <laughs> Hopefully not. 
But I remember my early days, somebody would come up to me and say, oh, good message. Good message, Pastor. Good message. Thank you for that. And then uh, somebody would call me up on the phone a couple days later. Do you know what they said about you after the meeting? I said, oh, they told me they really liked the message. Oh, no, no, no. They, they really did not like the message. And then I would hear everything that they would say. So there was one thing to my face and another thing to somebody else. Then I remember one of the young uh, guys, uh, he just got a new car, a sports car. It was quite funny. He's got this car, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, I drive it so carefully. Uh, and so he says, let me, let me uh, uh, take you for a ride. And so we go around the block, and he drives like a grandmother around the block. <laughs> I said, oh, thank you. I get off. Then so either Gideon uh, or one of the other guys, uh, come, come, I'll take you for a ride. Then I hear the car spin out, the wheels <laughs> spinning out, and I hear this thing go like a bat out of hell all around the, all around the block. And I started to, this is my, some of my early experiences. And then I started to realize, well, people say one thing to your face and do one thing to your face and another thing behind your back. And that's not the way of God's kingdom. So speak life about them. Gossip and slander will suck the life out of pastoral leaders. Speak life about them, even when they're not around. A church that loves and cares for their pastors and leaders is a healthy and growing church that bears much fruit. And I won't take you to all these scriptures, but you have 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 through 16, and Proverbs 18, 21. We'll end with Proverbs 18, 21. So if you turn there, and many of you will know this, but what you speak, even when someone's not around, has an effect on their spirit. There's been times where I felt like I just can't go on anymore. I felt so gloomy and sad and, and worn out. And then uh, somebody calls me and says, do you know what so-and-so has been saying about you? Oh, and, and I have actually felt spiritually, because we're all connected. You can feel it. Pastor Kilpatrick from the Brownsville Revival would often would say, you never know what a pastor goes through unless you were in their shoes. Pastors go through so much, and many of them are burning out through uh, his burning out through just the pressures of ministry. Uh, and you never really understand it unless you were in their shoes. So realize that. Uh, and it's, it's hard to understand, but if you can have God's heart for them, that is going to help. And here we have Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, if you love these words of life, you're going to eat good fruit. And again, it's coming down to the fig tree. If you guard the fig tree, you care for the fig tree, you will eat its fruit. If you care for and guard your leaders, you will be honored and blessed by them. So again, speak life, especially when they're not around. Speak life, not death. Words that... Um, encourage and build up and uh, words that reflect Jesus' heart. Amen? Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening.
And there's a lot more that could be said. This is just the beginning. Yes, Patrick. I just want to point out that it's relational. Yes. That we relate to one another. And God is making us in his image more and more like Jesus. The pastor as well. Yeah. Although the pastor has got his ministry, and God very clearly tells us how to deal with mm. elders, pastors, yes. prophets, evangelists, etc. He's still a human being, still a brother. And so we have got no right ever to judge one another. That's only Jesus can do that or point fingers. Right. We need to relate to one another. Yes. Yeah. And that only works with the heart of God. Mm. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's all relational. Amen. So if you want to see, uh, see this one, this infographic, that's the, that's the last one. You can get it at brisbanefire.com infographics. And they're meant to be tools, and I'm hoping other pastors can use it, and it could be a blessing to different churches and, and places. And also, I really see you as, I don't see you like a, your average congregation. I see you as a community of leaders. A community of leaders all doing mighty exploits for God. Amen? So I would want people to treat you in this way, especially as your ministry grows, as your, your life grows. I want to see people treat you with respect and honor and in the way of the kingdom. And so that is the heart that I share all this with. And as we, I'm just about to close here. But we're going on a two-week break, Boy, and we have, never, we have never done this as a church in the middle of the year before. Uh, and I, you know, I was praying about this this year, and I was thinking, these breaks that Anna and I take, they always are very profitable. profitable. And sometimes they're hard because we are disconnected and unplugged, and we feel that. And it's a little bit painful and it's a little bit disorienting. But then you come, you, you get God's heart, you get re strengthened by the Spirit of God, and then you come back and there's more joy in coming back. So we, are, we benefit from it. And so then this started me praying in a way, well, maybe the whole church could benefit at the same time. Not that we want to have a habit of, you know, not being in gathering together. But this is a time, an intentional break, so that we can get a bit of a breath. Don't run around on Sunday mornings and busy your, busy your time. Just have a quiet, well, you can do whatever you want, okay? Be, just be persuaded by my words. I'm not trying to tell, Mike, listen, leaders aren't meant to micromanage your life. And that's one of the things I wanted to bring out. True leaders are not trying to micromanage your life. They're pointing the way but you have to, uh, you're the only one who can voluntarily follow. So, but what I'd encourage you to do is have a quiet Sunday morning, maybe have a family devotion, maybe have personal communion with the Lord. Make it sacred there, but make it so you're not uh, weary and tired and running here and there. Because all of you have been serving very uh, very hard 
You've been working hard. We had this huge graduation here every week. You know, we're setting up the chairs. We're setting up the equipment. Yushi and Patrick have been working hard and Davina. And I, I can look at every one of you. Every, pretty much everybody in this church is active and serving. I can't really see anyone, even from the little kids. Sometimes the kids are carrying chairs. Every one of you is active in serving. So it's have a break, rest, but it's not a break from God, but just from public ministry. You can still get together in fellowship. Uh, Peter mentioned that it's important for us to stay connected. Everybody is still here for you, except me. I'm going to be. <laughs> I'll always check. I always check my check if there's any emergency. But I, this is a time where I personally unplug just so I can seek God, the Father's heart, what he wants to say in this next season. And my whole purpose, and then after this, so this is for the 4th of July and the 11th of July, and then when we come back, uh, I, I'm believing we're going to reconnect, and I'm believing for us to come back stronger yeah. and healthier. And then there's that degustation thing. Was, is, I don't know if you call it that. That What is this? The dinner. The, the, the progressive dinner that Lizzie is organizing, which seems exciting. And that's on the 17th of July. And then we come back uh, and on Sunday on the 18th of July. So let's keep on praying for one another. Let's keep on loving one another. But do, uh, tr do your best to rest because that's the purpose of this time. Amen? And enjoy life. Enjoy the life that God has given you. You know the rabbis would teach that if you didn't enjoy life, you were sinning against God? Because <laughs> God gave life as a gift. We're not talking about sinful things, but enjoy the life that God has given you. And go look at creation. Take a deep breath and say, Thank you, Father. I'm alive. So, Father, let's all stand. We're going to pray. Oh, wow. I went a little bit extra. Um, but we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask if you can lay hands on Anna and I and pray, but first let me pray for everybody here. Father, I'm asking that we would take these words to heart and that all across the body of Christ, all across the world, in Australia, in this city, that we would value and honor and appreciate our leaders, that we would pray for them, that we would guard them, uh, Lord, that we would guard one another. Pastors would bless pastors. There would be a, a unity in the body of Christ. We've seen a lot of things where people have become quite selfish in COVID, but I pray for that to all turn around in the name of Jesus and that we would see this way of the kingdom this caring for our pastors and leaders, as well as for one another. Lord, I pray for an abundance of grace that as a congregation we would have supernatural rest, that you would protect us from all harm, evil, attacks, that your hand would be upon us, that you would keep each one here healthy and whole, that you would bless the families with peace, that you would bless the children with peace. They would not be angry and upset and running away, but their children would be at peace and that they would experience your glory. They'd experience your life. They'd experience your joy. Lord, let us enjoy the life you have given us.
Surround us with your goodness and love in this time. I commit this congregation into your hands, this message that you would use it into your hands, Father. Be glorified, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, it would be a blessing.